Today on the Kyle and Kasanoff Show, we have a jam-packed show. We start with Manny Machado to the Padres. Plus, we have a debate around the Carolina Hurricanes' excessive celebration. Then, we talk a little sports intrigue. Plus, we'll have NHL trade deadline coverage and a whole lot more. All right, and welcome back to the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. As I said, we've got a jam-packed show. I say we just jump right into it. Manny Machado, the largest ever free agent signing in American history, $300 million, 10 years, and let me take a wild guess, you hate it. I hate it. I hate, really I hate Manny Machado as a player. Um, As immensely talented as he is, you know, he combines, you know, gold glove fielding with exceptional talent at the plate. He'll give you 30 to 35 home runs, a 300 batting average, and 100 RBIs every year. So he's he's on a Hall of Fame track on the field, but I think he just isn't the kind of player who's... And he, he's admitted to himself. He's not going to hustle out ground balls. In the World Series, there was a, a notable play where he crushed a ball, and it, it, it ended up hitting off the wall, but he celebrated off the bat like it was going to be a home run. And he trotted down to first base, and it ended up not being a home run. And not only was it not a home run, because he didn't hustle it out, it was a single. And that says a lot about him as a player, about he's not going to give you that that grit, that he's not going to have that drive, I think, to work in the offseason, especially. Because I, I, I don't know, I just, I just see him as an incredibly cocky player, and I, I don't see it working out. And I think also the fact that it's 10 years... Granted, he's 26 years old, and, and his contract will be measured against the likes of an Albert Pujols contract or a Miguel Cabrera contract, um, a 10- and an 8-year deal, respectively. But those deals were giving out to, to players past their prime, primarily based on their past success. And they were mid-30s players, and we all knew it wasn't going to work out. And right now, it's it's just dead money. But doesn't this have the best chance of working out because it's, he's under contract till he's 36? It, it probably does. I just He's already had two two major surgeries in his career. And he's he's twenty six years old. I I just don't see really anyone putting up thirty million dollar year production ten years into the future. I just can't predict that. And I think it's more likely than not that it won't happen. Here's my here's what I my my first take on this is that this is a true to form move. He's not a guy who's going to hustle the most. He's not a guy who wants to answer questions about why he doesn't hustle the most. So why would he go to baseball? I mean to to Boston or New York. Or L.A. You know, why wouldn't he just float down to San Diego, buy a gorgeous mansion on the beach, wake up every morning and put your flip-flops on, meander over to the park, maybe hit some balls, maybe you don't even show up at all, whatever. It's San Diego. He's gonna, he's living the life. He's got $300 million, more money than anyone will ever need. Like, I, for, from his perspective, this is true to form, and I honest, I admire it. Again, I think it's a great move by him. And I think it's funny that you mention it. Because uh, he passed up eight years and $250 million from the Chicago White Sox. Which, if you do that out, the AAV on that is more than what he would have gotten here with San Diego. Yeah, but then you're in Chicago and you've got, you know, guys asking, uh, so do you actually want to win? And I don't think the answer is yes. I think the answer is, nah, the beach and being rich is cool. It's like you either, you know, work in in the south side... Or in probably the most gorgeous city in the country, at least the one that has the best sports teams. I mean, I mean, at the professional level. I mean, I clearly he took the money and ran. And I think I think Chicago in, in the long term would have offered him more money and at two at two less years when he could have signed perhaps another contract in that in that amount of time. Um, but yeah, I think I think from the Padres' perspective, it's their it's their idea of getting back on the map. This is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in 2006, hasn't had a winning record since 2010, and I think. You know, and they have the best ranked by Baseball America. They have the best farm system in the country. And I think, I think, having this bat in the middle of the lineup is going to be huge for them, at least in the short term. I just see long term. I just don't see it working out. I see it becoming a white elephant over time. But in the short term, huge for them. It, I understand. It puts that. them on the map. I understand that, and I think you're probably right. I think probably you know, in six years, maybe only four years, you know, people are going to be like, it stinks that we're paying Manny Machado thirty million dollars, but. At some point, you know, on in free agency, you got to pay a premium to get these guys because 
it's not that often that 26-year-old all-stars are on the market. Absolutely. And so they, they get to demand that you overpay. But what I do want to talk about is the fact that Bryce Harper, who's arguably a better bet, is still unsigned. Why does baseball free agency take six months? Again, I think it comes back to, you know, people talking about contracts like what we saw with Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols. Baseball teams are trying to move away from paying people for past success and giving them way too much money. But these guys aren't 32 years old, right? You said it yourself. If you give Bryce Harper an eight-year contract right now, it's going to run until he's 34. It comes down to like teams that are interested in Bryce Harper don't see him. I don't know what a Harper, what Harper's asking. He could be asking for 400 million. The teams just don't see him as worth 400 million dollars. I Harper hit what 240 last year. I don't see him as worth 400 million dollars either. He's a he's a generational talent, sure, but he's been his career has been up and down, especially like especially from like a batting average and on base perspective. Here's what I'd implore you to think about it from uh, just a little bit from a business perspective. How big is it for like a team like San Diego to have landed one of the two biggest free agents from a business perspective? That's something that excites people, right? The Boston Red Sox, they don't need to excite people about Red Sox baseball, right? The Yankees, they don't need to excite people. But a team, you know, in a smaller market situation or, you know, just that's been bad for a long time. Like imagine if Bryce Harper went to Tampa and they overpaid just because Landing Bryce Harper at the Tampa Bay Rays is worth something in and of itself. I mean, absolutely. And I think you could have seen this coming because in the last two offseasons, San Diego has been a team that's offered Will Myers and Eric Hosmer a combined $250 million. Huge contracts to players that aren't that good. And and let me remind you that this is a team two offseasons ago that went all in and they signed a bunch of free agents and none of them worked out. And then they tanked again. They fired the general manager and now they're back to square one, essentially, with Machado. But tanking a second time gave them all these prospects. And I think I think you're right. A small market team like the Padres that hasn't been relevant in years, that has very little franchise history at all. They've never really done anything in their entire history. This is probably the biggest free agent... Actually, I wouldn't even say probably. This is definitely the biggest free agent signing in the history of the Padres. And I think in terms of long-term season ticket deals, that's going to be huge for them. Having a, having a, a name-brand player on your team in a city like San Diego, which now the Padres are the only team in the city now that the uh, Chargers are gone. It's going to be huge for them. It's absolutely going to be huge, but I just don't see the contract panning out in the long term. Can I ask a question? Is there any scenario under which Bryce Harper joins him? I think absolutely there is a scenario. I think it's unlikely. That's just so much money to offer two players in the span of a week. That's like... I don't know if I'm an owner. Like I'm, I would be, in, I would be pulling my hair out over over the prospect of that. But I see Harper going to Philadelphia. That's been the rumored landing spot for a while now. There was a private chartered flight. I, I don't mean to, you know, stir up anything okay, where there okay. isn't. There was a private chartered Give flight. Give us the tail numbers from Las Vegas to Clearwater, Florida, which is where the Phillies play spring training. Private charter flight last week. Rumor has it that that was Bryce Harper and his team going down to negotiate the final terms of a potential contract with the Phillies. People say it's rumored to be roughly the same length as Machado, maybe about three fifty million. Um, I I see that as the potential landing spot. I think Nationals fans should be dreading that because again, it is the Phillies. You play them nineteen times a year. I mean, can I can I just interject here? Isn't isn't that just a downgrade? Like, isn't going from Bryce Harper, Washington Nationals? to Bryce Harper, Philadelphia Phillies, just a downgrade? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think the Phillies are the bigger market team. They've got more fans. They're a more established franchise. They have much more franchise history. Um, I think Washington is a team in turmoil. Really, all their sports teams are except for the Caps. They're just It's just a dumpster fire, essentially. Um, the, Washington has a lot of big contracts that have not worked out. Uh, Max Scherzer is probably the, the cornerstone of that franchise, you know, it's still reeling from, you know, the Strasburg innings limit of a few years ago in the postseason. They haven't really recovered from that. And I think Harper just has fallen out of terms with the management in, in D.C. And I think, I think he just wants bigger and better things, and I think Philadelphia offers that to him. A, a, young, a younger roster with a new manager in a big market, I think it's, I think it's a much better opportunity for him. Now, okay, I, I know that it's been well reported that that, uh, you know, it's Philadelphia or it's San Diego or it's Chicago for, you know, these big guys. My question is, wouldn't you just love to see one of these out-of-nowhere teams? Like, wouldn't you love to see if 
you get a tweet from the Diamondbacks being like, big announcement, 4 p.m. tomorrow. Bryce Harper goes there. Like, just out just of the be, blue? Wouldn't that just be fun? Like Pittsburgh? Yeah. <laughs> just completely well, out of the okay, blue. I mean, it's not Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh won't pay anyone. Right. Well, the Diamondbacks definitely will. The Diamondbacks are essentially just the Padres. They're just a team that's never really going to win, and they just offer up all these contracts for, for God knows what reason. But, but I mean, yes, it, it would be fun to see some kind of out of the blue. What if it was the Red Sox? Tomorrow the Red Sox woke I woke up and Bryce Harper was in the Red Sox. I mean, obviously we don't need him at all. I don't really want him. I don't really like him that much, but it would be fun. Before we switch to a little debate here, what I want to I want to just say one more thing which I've completely forgot. No, yeah, sorry. Isn't it just hot to play baseball in Arizona in the summer? Like doesn't that just Well, they stink? play in a in a retractable roof stadium. So the temperature is always what sixty eight degrees I mean, in there. The, the AC they must. I mean they must they spend pump a fortune. They pump it in. Yeah, that's that's, that's probably millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Um, but yeah, I mean like you would think, and that's why you have teams like the Rangers moving ballparks next year because it's just too hot in the summer. Um, all right. All right. Yeah, but moving on from from one small market team in a hot place to another, the Carolina Hurricanes storm surge. They're celebrating like crazy when they win at home. They're doing, you know, they're doing duck, duck, goose. They're playing baseball. They're doing all this stuff. I mean, there was a there was a bat flip, you know, walk off homer, as their most recent celebration. Don Cherry, you know, of the coach's corner, he called these guys a bunch of jerks. Uh, you know, I want to know what your thoughts are because I think that Don Cherry has never been more wrong about anything ever. See, my, my initial thought was like, why is this a story? If a team, I may not agree with them celebrating after a game but if they want to do that who cares what one old geezer hockey pundit has to say about it at the end of the day unfortunately the hockey world uh, uh, the problem has been in hockey is that all these old guys who are kind of the old guard have been just repressing and these nhl players who are among the best people it seems you know the podcast spin chicklets by barstool is probably the first real outlet for hockey guys to show how fun they are and how, how, you know, what sort of stuff they really are up to because they're so buttoned down in the media. They're so buttoned down on TV. They're so only cliches when they do interviews. It's not fun. Like, I, the, no, the fact that it's crazy for some 25-year-old millionaires to have fun playing a sport for a living, it, it's like, why is that crazy? That's, that should be normal. I think it's crazy because we haven't seen it before. You don't like I don't really remember ever seeing a team after they win do all these choreographed celebrations in the middle of the field. Like you see it in the NFL after touchdowns, you see it occasionally in the NHL. And we after love goals. it, by the way. You know, when when Michael Thomas pulls out the cell phone, we're on the podcast saying that's awesome. I like some of them. <laughs> I like that one a lot, but I think some of them are a little bit forced. I, I don't think you have to do it after every single touchdown. But like I think there's a line between having fun and just generally being obnoxious. And I think after, you know, the eighth celebration on the ice, I think it becomes a little obnoxious, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. I understand that, but at the same time, it's a, it's Raleigh, North Carolina. They're in the basketball triangle. It's North Carolina. Hockey is I'm not... All, a, it, I'm all for fan involvement. Hockey is not a native sport. The fact is that, you know, you said to me off air that in Boston or, you know, New York, when the game's over... It's two minutes and the place is empty. And in Raleigh, North Carolina, yeah, they're only drawing 14,000 fans a night, but 10,000 of them are still there to watch the post-game celebration. And that means something. Right. It means that the people of Raleigh, North Carolina have nothing better to do. No. Okay. I'm, we're not going to offend a whole city. It means that it turns out that sports are fun and sports are entertainment and people want the fun. All I'm saying is it's a little unsportsmanlike. I think if you're going to do it, do one celebration at the end of the game and then go back in the locker room. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think it's a little unsportsmanlike because at the end of the day, like you've mentioned this to me before, how, you know, the, well, the other team's not there. So like, what does it matter? It well, doesn't. The, they're not they're, there. I don't think their presence really matters that much because at the end of the day, they know that it's happening. At this point, if we're talking about it, other teams are definitely talking about it. Pe- people in the hockey world know that it's happening. Okay, but okay, but that's like to use like to use an extreme metaphor. It only loosely translates. That's like if the, after you win the Super Bowl, 
Is it offensive to go to the club and like spray champagne everywhere? No, because it's the Super Bowl. Well, this is a game in. This is a meaningless game in February. Oh well, win for the Carolina Hurricanes might as well be the Super Bowl. If you're gonna days. do it after you win the Stanley Cup, all I'm all for it. <laughs> Season's over, but in the middle of the season here, when you know there's so much left to play for, and when you haven't played meaningful games in a long time, I think I think like wait. Wait a little while. When you make the when you qualify for the playoffs, then you can celebrate all you want. This is this is going to be my final point, and then we're going to take a break here. These hockey guys, the Don Cherries of the world, the Brian Burks, they say Carolina's a joke of a hockey team. They're not drawing any fans. They're not doing whatever. You know, they're not winning. Well, now their attendance is better than it's been in five years. You're seeing videos on social media of three and four year old kids mesmerized by the skull clap that's going on after they win and they're you know that's going to be kids who are going to start to want to play hockey because they see how fun it is and that's going to build a fan base and that's going to build a group and you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't say hockey's got to be a purist game but you got to sell the game and then they start selling the game and you say well you can't sell the game like that that's not how it works you got to choose one or the other so hockey's a purist game and you're okay that they draw 10,000 fans a night or hockey is a business and we're trying to maximize fan value. We're trying to maximize fun and revenue, for that matter, and participation. And we're going to do gimmicks in places like Raleigh, North Carolina, because that's fun and that sells. I think they should just move back to Hartford. That's probably in the best interest long term. But moving on, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We've got so much more. We've got NFL offseason. We've got NBA. Maybe even a little college basketball. We, we don't know. Big Duke-UNC game tonight. Stick around. The backward shot. This shot is fun. And yes, I have had to use it in competition. Oh, come on, baby. Do it. Oh, I misread it. All right. Welcome back to the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. And it's time for what offseason? NFL never ends. We're still talking about it. What's, what's up first? You know, I want to talk... First off, I want to talk Kareem Hunt. Okay. Kareem Hunt, big signing last week with the Cleveland Browns. Yep. It was, they're not a team I expected to sign him. I expected him to get signed by someone, but not the Browns. I don't think the Browns really need him. They don't, like, that's not really a roster, like, they have young depth at that spot with Nick Chubb. Okay, but consider how good they look. They've got Nick Chubb. They look great, but they just don't need him. Wait, em. but they've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for no money. Right. It is no money. Actually, yes. When you when you spin it like that, that it was what one year like five million or no, something. No, it was one year one million. Oh, even better. They, I, I guess I guess what's the harm? Yeah. My question is, did it, did were there any other offers on the table? If he only ended up signing for one million, yeah. Do you think that was the only offer on the table, or do you think he went there because he wanted to go there? I think that it's probably a combination of both. I think maybe if he bargained with someone, maybe he could have got one point five, you know, somewhere else. But I think that. He probably felt that John Dorsey being the guy who drafted him and a guy who he feels he has some connection with, it's probably a place where he's going to get his best chance because he's a guy getting a second chance. So you want to go to the place where you feel you're going to have the best opportunity to succeed. Isn't it ironic, though? The video that released, that was released in the fall of him assaulting a woman... In Cleveland. ...was in Cleveland. Yeah. So I guess it's all come full circle for him, hasn't it? Yep. A, a kid who made a terrible mistake, he assaulted a woman on film, he... Wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Which was the mistake, assaulting the woman or doing it on camera? Um, mm, mm, both, both are bad. Both are real bad. The first one obviously worse than the second one. But I think he's at the end of the day, he's a 23-year-old kid. He made a mistake. I think he deserves a second chance. Whether or not it should have come this soon, I think, I think him signing with the Browns is contingent upon him getting proper anger management care, making sure that, this, that nothing like this ever happens again. But I think at the end of the day, like people will say, oh, he shouldn't be signed. Like he, like this kid, like it's so terrible what he did. Like the NFL will never learn. I think if you don't sign him, and you put a twenty three year old kid on the street, that's not solving the problem. That's not solving his. He's still gonna go out there. He's probably more likely to go out there and and hurt other women, because he's not learning his lesson and he's just he's jobless and he has no he has nowhere to be. I guess I, I think. Giving him structure and giving, letting him do what he knows, and that's football, I think that's the right move for him personally, and it will allow him to grow, um, again, personally. I, I think, I think it's, it's the right move by the NFL to give him a second chance. I actually agree with that in his specific case because 
you know, obvious. Not to. I'm not. I'm. I'm not defending him, but I am just gonna get once again give voice to all the facts like we did previously. He was. He was like a, being verbally attacked, and obviously right. the answer is never violence. But th- it wasn't an unprovoked. Y- yes, he didn't. He didn't just get. He didn't like show up at home and decide to like beat his girlfriend. Like which, right? You know, again, still completely unacceptable. But it shows signs of anger management problems, not like worldview problems. Deranged. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I. I mean, I completely agree, and I think. I think. Um, yeah, overall, I, I think this is a good move. I, I think he'll probably get suspended for, what, six games? Maybe it'll get reduced to three. I, I think that's probably something that that will happen. Um, but, I mean, again, it, it's it, it's crazy, though, because, like, that decision that he made to assault her, obviously it was a heat-of-the-moment situation. It really changed the NFL last year when it came to light because the Kansas City Chiefs, they weren't the same after he left. Nope. And I think I think you have Kareem Hunt on the field in the AFC Championship game, and you beat the New England Patriots easily. Because knowing especially his history against the Patriots, I, I, I think I think you beat them in that game. And I think, again, it changes the landscape of the NFL season, um, at least in 2018. Here's a, here's just like, we're just going to, I think this is probably the last point, but from a pure football perspective, you got Baker Mayfield at quarterback, you got Miles Garrett, you got Nick Chubb, and now you've got the 23-year-old Kareem Hunt. Are the Browns going to win their division? Yes. My hot take may, may not be hot anymore. It was hot before they signed Kareem Hunt that they will win the division. With the Steelers in turmoil, and we'll get to them in a minute, the Ravens, who have a running back and quarterback, they're not going anywhere. And the Bengals, who are, as usual, a dumpster fire. I think the Browns are a surefire lock to win their division this year. And I think it's going to be a, a a a welcome surprise in the NFL. Let's uh, let's talk about Antonio Brown. People are talking about him every day like he's a free agent. He's under contract for three more years. Right, but it's it's over now. I think. But uh, uh, this is what I don't understand. This stuff, this only happens in like in the NFL. Maybe a little bit in the NBA, in hockey, or in basketball, or like in any not uh, like. You you just don't see guys who are under contract for three four years who just they just decide they're done. I think again he he doesn't like Ben Roethlisberger clearly he doesn't like Mike Tomlin. Um, he had an amicable meeting with ownership uh, yesterday the day before, so at least it's going to end on good terms. But at the end of the day, a player of his of his talent. If you no longer want to play for your organization, you don't have to go. And at the end of the day, you are still under contract, so it is in their best interest to trade you. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just unbelievable that the culture allow, allows for that, is what I But, I'm like, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Like, the NFL, all 31 other teams aren't going to boycott him because he doesn't want to play for the 32nd team. He's that good. I understand. And NFL is a league where talent reigns supreme and everything else doesn't Absolutely. matter. I mean, that's what we really should have said about Kareem Hunt. It actually doesn't matter what he did because he's just that good and NFL GMs just don't care. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, and I don't mean to go back to Kareem, it wasn't like Ray Rice where it was a post-prime player and the crime was much worse, but it, it was a player who doesn't, who didn't have the future that Kareem Hunt is going to have in, in the NFL. So it's not, it's not quite the same, but again, the his talent, again, like you said, it reigns supreme in this case, and Antonio Browns does as well. I mean, we're fooling ourselves if we think that there's anything else that matters in the NFL. When it co- in other leagues, that's not the case. But in the NFL, we're just completely fooling ourselves if we think that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, we see it time and time again. And I think along the same lines of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think Le'Veon Bell, he posted on Twitter, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. But you're not free. Where did I hear that, where did I hear that one before? It happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It happens. Let's talk Joe Flacco. He's going to be traded to Denver? Yeah, when the new season begins, I think it's March 3rd, I want to say. I he's, thought it was 13th. 13th. Around there. It was a three. It was yeah. a three. Um, yep, he's off to Denver. Classic John Elway move, signing the wrong quarterback at the wrong time. He he won a Super Bowl MVP, sure, but was he had a... Like, he's still being treated as elite because of one spectacular postseason when he had... A ton of great talent around him. And granted, he was the quarterback. But I think at the end of the day, John Elway just, he is incapable of signing a quarterback that is better than he was. He forever wants to be the best quarterback that the Broncos have ever had. Can I, can I just ask a question, though? Why do you give up assets for 
Joe Flacco. Is Joe Flacco actually better than Case Keenum? Yes. Really? I, I think Joe Flacco is better than Case Keenum. I, I think it would be great to see Joe Flacco like go off this year and like the altitude like doesn't affect him. He just like like he's out there throwing seventy yard bombs like like the Joe Flacco of twenty twelve. I mean like I think that would be great to see. And I think if you get a full season out of out of Emmanuel Sanders, it's quite possible. Honestly, I mean you just you I you would have a tough time convincing me that thirty four year old Joe Flacco is better than Case Keenum. Case Keenum is not good at all. He threw what, 13 touchdown passes last year. He had, one, he had one good year. He's a, he's a backup. Case he's, Keenum he was not put in a position to succeed last year. I mean, I guess, but like, was he put in a, in a position to succeed the year before? W- with the Vikings, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Denver Denver's offense good... isn't Denver's offense isn't bad by any means. But uh, he, like, he, they had solid receivers all year. I mean, they traded away Demarius is, Thomas. Is that the system was not a fit. Yeah, I just don't think he's a good quarterback. At the end of the day, I, I don't think it would really matter the system. I think it was a fluke year with the Vikings. Okay, but so I, I don't know why you give you're going to give Joe Flacco so many chances when he had one good year. I, I agree. I th- again, I think it's the wrong signing for the team. I'm just saying, it, for me as a fan, I'm a fan of Joe Flacco. I want him to be elite. I really do. Yeah, but don't you agree? I mean, do you not agree that Case Keenum and Joe Flacco have had the same number of great years? No. Joe Flacco is the only quarterback in history to win multiple games at Foxborough in the playoffs. The only one. Okay? That that matters. That really does. When yeah. Foxborough is still the place to go through, Joe Flacco's the guy you want. He really is. He not Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning's gone, Joe Flacco's the only one to do it of the guys who are still relevant. I I mean I I think it's the wrong signing. I think Nick Foles was probably the better move. He's four years younger, or four or five years younger. Um, He's got more recent success. I I think that was the move that they should have gotten. But knowing John Elway, we all knew he was going to make the wrong move, and that's why we all knew that Joe Flacco was going to Denver. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Blake Bortles, the boat. By the way, my uh, Blake Bortles boat shirt has arrived. I'm not sure if I told you about that. There you go. Blake Bortles. I actually bought a boat shirt. Just in time for him to no longer be in Jacksonville. Yeah, but I mean, when was the last time you didn't buy a shirt that had a Jaguar printed f- sail on the sailboat? Is that what's actually on the shirt? I haven't seen the shirt. Yeah, uh, the shirt, it's got the number five on the front and on the back, it's a sailboat with a Jaguar print sail. What's the purpose of the sailboat? Because Blake Bortles the boat, the best of all time. Oh, it's a, oh, okay. Why didn't I, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> um, but yeah, Blake Bortles, done in Jacksonville. Yeah, but where's he going to go? I care less about where he's going to go. Uh, Hmm, it's a good question, actually. Now that I think, also about is it. Cody Kessler really a quarterback? Like a good one? Like is he? No, no, no. I mean, obviously the plan yeah. is not to stick with Cody Kessler. Yeah. So what? So what's the deal? Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the answer down there. He's Nick Foles is going to Jacksonville. He's going to be traded. They picked up his option in Philly for twenty million. That's going to be shifted over to Jacksonville, and they'll get something in return. Um, I, I think I think that's the best move for both teams, both the Eagles and the Jaguars. Bortles. I see really only one real destination for him, and that's probably Miami. I see him maybe as a short-term option because, again, the, like, the Dolphins do just enough every year to not get a good draft pick. Like, I don't know why they do this year in and year out. Like, they've rode this Ryan Tannehill train for years, and, and I, I, think, I think this is the end of Ryan Tannehill, and I think Blake Bortles is the, kind of that bridge. They'll probably win three or four games this year, or hopefully get a top-five pick next year. Maybe there's a better quarterback selection then. I don't know. But I think that's the likely destination for him. In the meantime, Nick Foles is the answer in Jacksonville. Let's keep rolling. We're on a roll. Future quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, did he make the right choice? Absolutely. I think he absolutely made the right choice. Would you, coming off of a Heisman Trophy, want to go toil away in Sacramento, California for the next two to three years? Or, or worse? If he had gotten, if I had, if you gave me a check today for $20 million, like he was, or he asked for 15. But so for $15 million today, yes, actually. The thing is, he'll get more than that if he gets drafted in the first round. Yeah, that's true. And he actually has the leverage to demand that he's drafted in the first round. Because if he's not drafted in the first round, he'll go back to the A's and take his $5 million. Right, exactly. Because the because the MLB is going to change the rule that if you're drafted in the NFL, they'll still let you go to the MLB. Because yeah. that previously wasn't a thing. Because obviously the MLB wants Kyler Murray, and especially the Oakland A's. They want Kyler Murray. He's a superstar player. Um is but, he actually that good at baseball? Like, I have no idea. I have no idea either, honestly. <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> I mean, he was, I think he was drafted seventh overall, ninth maybe. That like, could be must-watch like, television. Though. He was a he was a top ten pick. 
He's got to be good, right? He's he's, yeah. he's incredibly fast. I mean, the, the thing, by the way, for the baseball is that they need the win of the Heisman quarterback chooses baseball. Right. I think they I think they literally should have brought a dump truck to his house full of like $10,000 stacks and been like, it's all yours. They should make him, honestly, if, if he picks MLB, if he turns down, you know, success in the, like ultimate success in the NFL after winning a Heisman trophy, they should just make him the logo. Because if that's if that's what's gonna get kids to play baseball is knowing that if someone you can go and win the Heisman Trophy and people still want to play baseball like that like that would be huge for the MLB if he somehow some way decides to not go the okay, NFL route. Here's my question, actually. Okay, I think that Kyler Murray, in order to incentivize to him to come to baseball, the league, they should take him away from the A's, make him a free agent in baseball, and just let teams bid for him, and he can just go to the highest bidder. And if someone's gonna give him. $40 million over the next four years, guaranteed contract, then the, I think really that. what he wants is the notoriety. He wants big league success. He doesn't want to go. He's not the kind of player that wants to go down to the minor leagues and toil there for multiple years. He wants immediate impact status on a big league team. I mean, I think the reality by the also is just that no matter how good you are at baseball, if you're playing for the Oakland A's, you will never be more famous than the backup quarterback for the New England Patriots. I think I think you're spot on with that, honestly. I think the Oakland A's, if there's any team that I would not want to go to, it would probably be them. <laughs> <laughs> if you talk about notoriety, that's not the team you want. I think, honestly, I think this discussion is totally different if he's drafted by the Yankees. Or the Red totally Sox. Totally different. I, I, I think he's probably going there in a heartbeat. I think part of this in the back of his mind is the fact that he's going to the A's. So why he's going to play on in a football stadium, essentially. Uh, here, I, I know that this can't feasibly happen, or shouldn't realistically happen. But just from a purely business standpoint, obviously it's not fair. It's not right. But why doesn't the MLB just compensate the A's and say, "Look, we'll give you the fifth overall pick in this year's draft." And we're going to let him say which team he needs to go to in order to That's play baseball. That's what the MLB is going to do. They're going to compensate them for like for the pick. That's what usually happens I mean, in situations like this. That's what happens in the NHL as well. That If you're if a first or second round pick doesn't commit, they will get the last pick in right. that round. Right. It, it would be a, a compensatory pick, yeah. as they say. And, and I think – so they w- it, it wouldn't be a total loss. So obviously, it would be a huge blow for them because they could have drafted anyone else with that ninth overall pick. And we knew when it happened that we were like, "What? What are they going to do?" And then, and then, well, he was, signed the contract. He had to repay back his four point seven million dollars signing bonus. Right. Right. I mean, like, so I mean, sacrifices were made on both sides. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I think it's the right move for Kyler Murray because I think it's the coolest thing in sports to be a starting NFL quarterback, and I think that's what he will be. He could go first overall. He could go second round. We have he's a complete wild card. I want to wait and see what the combine has for him. He could run. Who knows? Maybe he goes out there and runs a four two forty. He goes first overall to the Cardinals. We don't know. Changes the landscape of the NFL if that does happen. Because then where where does Josh Rosen go? You never know. Honestly. Okay, starting quarterbacks though. Does Colin Kaepernick have a future in this in this NFL? Um, I think I think he does. I think he'll get signed probably by someone. Because again, talent does reign. He's he's bad, but he's not that bad to not be on a roster, at least a practice squad. You know. I mean, that's what I think. Look, look no further. Apologies, Central New York, but look no further than the Buffalo Bills. You know, obviously not Josh Allen, but the guys who were starting when Josh Allen was hurt, they were not better than Colin Kaepernick. I completely agree. But again, it's just it's just the baggage. It's a, like we don't know how much baggage he'll bring with him because again he's kind of out of the limelight a little bit because it's not like the protests aren't really happening anymore. I mean he signed a non-disclosure agreement so he literally cannot talk about what has happened to him. Right, and I think like I don't want to get into Colin Kaepernick like that much, but like I I think the fact that he settled with the NFL in this deal that's appalling to me. A guy who claims to be an activist and he settles. You know, with a league that you know he's he's taken a stance against. Well, he, this, like, what does that say about him? I, I like, and also the fact that he wanted twenty million dollars from the AAF to to go back and play. A guy who doesn't have a job, he's got no leverage. Like, what? This guy's only about the money. He's not an activist. He's a fraud, is what he is. He's a fraud. I'm I'm not prepared to say that personally. What I what I think about his settlement is that it's probably the only way he was going to get anything, because. Collusion in sports is almost impossible to prove. But again, the fact that he settled shows that he's only about the money. He does not care about his cause. You don't know what he's going to do with that money. It's been a week. 
he could end up donating. He may have gotten a th- he may have gotten a thousand dollars. Yeah, he may have gotten nothing. Right. I mean, like the it's just it's the symbolic, you know, idea that he did settle is that like he he gave up his cause. Can he I gave just, it up? Can I just spin zone this? My my one spin zone would be consider the fact that you brought the NFL to its knees. They had to settle. You know that. I, I see it as the other way around. I mean, I understand why you, you see you it that spin, way because obviously one one side is the bigger is the bigger side here. But I, I understand why you see it that way, and I'm not saying that I see it either way. I don't know, quite frankly, enough about really the overall issue, and no one does because of the non disclosure aspects. But a perspective that I see as a lot of people might hold is that he had a case which is essentially impossible to prove, according to most lawyers who have been interviewed about this, and he got the NFL to settle. We don't know what that settlement is, but he got the NFL to release a statement to officially acknowledge him and Eric Reed. Eric Reed, by the way, got a big contract. I'm not a fan of him either. I don't, I don't have to get into that, but we can. Go it, on. it doesn't matter. The point is, is that they actually they caused a stir and they made the NFL acknowledge it, and that is powerful. I I guess I I don't know. I think it would have been much more powerful if he had actually continued with the suit and somehow, even if he had lost. It shows that like like it's a David versus Goliath. He's going up against the league. He's standing up for what he like what he truly believes in. He he will take this to his grave, but he gave it up. He gave it all up. He settled. He but, took I mean, the money and ran with it. But his suit wasn't about the like his his kneeling or anything like that. It, it, his it, suit was about the fact that he couldn't get a contract because right, of it. Right, and that still is hugely important for the NFL. Like the fact that the NFL is trying to suppress that kind of behavior. It's still a stance against that, against, you know, the ultimately the aging white ownership of the NFL that's taking a stance collectively to put a stop to such political behavior from its players. And I think, again, settling, it gives up that cause. It really does. And, and I think, like, like, when you talk about how it has nothing to do with the kneeling, it 100% has everything to do with the kneeling. And while it may not be as relevant anymore because, you know, Donald Trump hasn't, hasn't said anything about it and... and and the kneeling really hasn't happened last season. It happened maybe a handful of times. I think he gave it up. He gave it up he, like he did, and I, I think he's a fraud because of it. Okay. I want to move on to one to our last football topic. Colin Kaepernick asked for $20 million. AAF couldn't even make payroll in by yeah, the, the AAF week. should have just said, "Sure, we'll give you $20 million, <laughs> wink, wink, because th- they wouldn't pay it anyway. I mean, Tom Dundon... The owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, by the way, he just stepped in with $250 million. Talk about a sunk cost. Investment in the league. He's now the chairman. So <laughs> He essentially just bought the league in week two. Yep. Right? Yeah. I think, I, that, I don't know, what the, like, what the heck are they doing? What the heck are they doing? Like, really, like, week one, you couldn't pay payroll? Like, you didn't have some sort of money stored up to pay at least the first week and see yeah. how it goes? I guess my question is that where did they think the money was going to come from? They didn't think it was good. Like they just did. That's just it. They didn't think. They didn't think. They, like I, I don't know what they're like. This is an XFL part two. It'll last one season and then it's, and then it's over. Because at the end of the day, you throw Christian Hackenberg out there. Sure, he'll get decapitated a few times. But at the end of the day, it's not a product that the average fan wants to sit down and see when there's that when there's so much more to you know engross them on. I guess on my, TV my question would be: Why isn't this a summer league? Why isn't this starting May fifteenth? Um, cause I think like it or not, I think right now is a little bit of a downtime for sports. Like the, we're kind of in the middle, like the lull period for the I mean, NHL and the NBA. I would argue that it's not. Yet. I would argue it's not. We got the NHL trade deadline next week and we just had all-star game for the NBA. We just had NBA. I would trade argue deadline. that the average viewer of the AAF does not care about either of those things. And I think if you start this league in we May, we just had the Daytona 500. If you start this league in May. That is something that the, that the average viewer of the AAF might actually care about. Yeah, that's Speaking what Speaking of which, huge crash at, at Daytona this year. Actually wild. We don't have to get into it, but it was actually yeah. wild. We don't have time. I think if you start if you start this AAF league in May, it becomes an afterthought because that's, you know, peak NHL and NBA playoffs and the MLB season is happening. Fine, so make it, move it to June. Like uh, Same wait, deal, though. June is a sports desert. I mean, but at the end of the day, if you start in June, when's it going to end? Like, it would it would almost certainly overlap with the NFL season if you started in June. If they're playing, like, what are they playing, a 10, 12-game schedule? Oh, they should not be doing that. They should be doing, like, six-game schedule, two weeks of playoffs. Right. And then just have, the it sports be a, desert. have it be a summer league. Yeah. But the problem is, I think a part of that is that they're playing it in these southern markets. 
right? Yeah. So they're playing it in in winter in the southern markets when the weather's ideal. Yeah, but they're also playing it in winter in Salt Lake City, which is not ideal. Let right, me assure out, you. That's the outlier. I mean, I, that, that is not ideal. Maybe it's just like... They wanted to have their token city where there might be a snow game or two. Oh, it's a, it for the even, entertainment value of that. If you want to know the truth of it, it doesn't even snow that often in the valley in Salt Lake. It it, it mostly is just like forty degrees and raining. I guess it, they just really picked a a colder climate city that doesn't have a pro sports team. They just they just picked a mid market team. Sure, exactly. Like they wanted a northern team that doesn't have that 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 doesn't already have a an NFL team. Obviously, like they have the Jazz or whatever. But yeah. Um, I think that was probably the goal there. But the AAF, again, I don't really see it happening. And again, next year, the XFL is launching again. What's different about the XFL than what we're currently seeing in the AAF? Who knows? Well, you're actually just going to be illegally allowed to decapitate players on the field. Right, right. Um, I, I don't like – like all these leagues are starting up – like it, it's funny because I remember um, – What's his name? Um, Ricky Williams went on Pardon My Take uh, a month or two ago, and he was advertising his own league. That's and the thing with like the XFL and the AF is that they're centrally owned. Mm-hmm. The Ricky Williams league, which is starting up in the next year or two as well, is it's owned by the fans. Let me just the assure fans you, buy shares. Let me just assure you that is a Ponzi scheme. It's got to be right. It has to be. <laughs> there is no way that 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 anyone sees money made out of that. Ricky Williams is just sitting at his computer, high as a kite, like, "Oh, you're gonna give me a hundred dollars? Okay." <laughs> like, like that's basically what that league's gonna turn into. But at the end of the day, all these leagues are gonna fail. The I NFL. Want, is I want to add an allegedly, by the way, to what we just said. A- 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 allegedly, allegedly, yeah. knowing what I know about Ricky Williams, that could possibly happen in the future. <laughs> um, but yeah, the NFL is still king, obviously, and uh, and I think that's what's. That's what's the real story at the end of the day. Okay, we're we're running out of time here. I want to quickly talk about the NHL trade deadline because we just mentioned that. We're in – first of all, by the way, the Boston Bruins made a trade. They got Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle. Boston boy. Boston He's boy. He's coming home. But they shipped out Boston boy Ryan Donato. He's been toiling away in Providence. He's insisted that he's an NHL caliber player, but now he's gone, and and he'll only get his chance with the Minnesota Wild. Well, he, you know, in fairness to him, in you know, there when he first came, he looks great. He did, and he's he's shown at times the talent is clearly there, and I think that spending time in the AHL is incredibly valuable. A, a lot of the biggest stars in NHL history earned their way up to the NHL. They learned something from the AHL. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, and There's, I think I think part of it was they the Bruins lack any real right wing depth right now. With the loss of, or the loss at least temporarily of David Pasternak, they have mm-hmm. Danton Heinen on the first line. Yep. They have a guy I don't even really know his name on the second line. He's kind of a nobody. Yeah, I also you have might, trouble pronouncing you, his name. You might, you might know it better than me. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully he'll, he'll get slaughtered in there at that at that second line right wing slot. Yep. Because they, I mean, and he can play it. center too, which is important going into the playoffs, right? Especially when coaches like to have two faceoff men out. Absolutely. They're like in defensive zone draws. Absolutely. He can he can score. There have been times in his career when you know if he gets hot, maybe coming home to Boston is what's going to be good for him. The other thing is that it's not a pure rental. He has another year on his contract. Sure. Because Boston didn't like they got burned by Rick Nash, gave up a lot, and he wasn't that great. I mean, he was good, yeah. but he wasn't that great. It wasn't maybe as much That was much the last, what? That was probably the last big deadline signing for the Bruins. What is it, yeah, two seasons ago? Last season. Last season? Yeah. But what I really want to talk about is the fact that the entire NHL is in a holding pattern. Because Mark Stone is the guy everyone wants. Mark Stone hasn't made a decision about re-signing in Ottawa. Until he gets traded or re-signs, no one's going to make a move for other high-profile free agents, including his teammate, Matt Duchesne. No one's going to make a move for Artemi Panarin with the Columbus Blue Jackets. No one's even going to go after the smaller fish, which, not to be disrespectful, but Wayne Simmons, you know, he, who's going to add a lot of toughness and scoring. Michael Furland, the same I would like guy. To see, I would have liked to have seen Wayne Simmons on the Bruins, to be quite honest with you. I think he could have been a great depth player for them. But, but yeah, I, I agree. I think everyone's just holding out at this point. They are completely holding out. And, I mean, Otto, Mark Stone's gone. I just, I'm just going to put it out there. Mark Stone's gone. Matt Duchesne, gone. Ryan Dezingle, probably also gone. That's the, I mean, they've got three players who are pending UFAs, good scorers. Fire sale. What's going to be left in Ottawa after this summer is, who knows? Noble's boy, Colin White. He yeah. Had, well, he had two goals against the Blackhawks the other night. Well, he's in, uh, well everyone had two goals against right, the Blackhawks right, the other right, night. Right, but don't By diminish the, that success. I won't, I won't, I won't. He's a good player, and he's got a bright future, they think. 
What I want to say, by the way, about those Blackhawks, Alex Dabrinkat, I'm going on the record right here. His next contract, six years, $8 million extension. The kid's electric. He the had, kid can score. He had a hat trick, didn't he? It's his fourth hat trick already. He's 20 or 21 years old. It's his second NHL season, four hat tricks. He scored 27 goals or 28 goals last year. He's already hit the 30-goal mark this year with 20 games to go. Kid can score, and that's what matters. Now, you mentioned the Blackhawks. Are they back? 8-2 and two in the last 10? One point out from a playoff spot. Look, my guy, Jeremy Colleton, I mean, calling him my guy is a little bit of a stretch, but he's a guy who I like a lot, uh, is doing a great job, and I knew he would. I never had any doubt that he would turn it around. I didn't necessarily think it would be this season. I thought maybe it would take some more time and that. But he is a smart young coach. He's had success everywhere he's been. And it does not surprise me that Jonathan Taze is having a great year. It doesn't surprise me that in the right system, Patrick Kane is still good. It doesn't surprise me that, you know, things are turning around for them. They've got a fantastic defensive core. And the reality is, with their older defensemen like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, they're not on completely unmanageable contracts. They're making maybe more money than you would want them to, but it's not like they're pulling in $10 million a year. Sure. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're making manageable contracts for their contribution. They're, they're earning Absolutely. manageable money. And they are contributing. Not at the level they used to, but they are contributing. And, and I think that the Blackhawks have a smart GM in Stan Bowman who's made good trades. He got youth, young players in there fast. He got Dylan Strome, Brandon Perlini. I, I mean, I think... I don't think the Blackhawks are going anywhere. I really don't. I don't, I don't know if they'll go and have a playoff run this year. I suspect they might sneak in. But I just think that in general, the Blackhawks, we're not going to see them down in the basement for a little while. I completely agree. Now, pivoting away from the NHL into the NBA. Yes. We're at a, we're at a lull in the NBA season. It's the low. It's the All-Star break. Yep. But we should talk a little bit about the All-Star weekend, perhaps. Yep. We... The, there were some good moments. There were some not-so-good moments. I think we should start with the dunk contest. Did you watch it? No. It was... It, you didn't miss anything. Yeah, I'm sure. Hamadou Diallo. You haven't heard of him. I don't I, know who I, that I, is. I hadn't heard of him either. How is that guy an all-star? He, he's not an all-star. He participated in the slam dunk contest. But... Uh, okay. Explain that to me, because at the NHL, for example, only all-stars get to participate in the skills competitions. Ah, that is not how it works in the in the NBA. That is how many people wish it worked in the NBA. That would be much better if it worked if, that way. If LeBron and, and and the Greek Freak and KD were were all doing the dunk contest, yes. you know, people would tune in more than they already do. Clearly, because in the dunk contest was it, it really wasn't good. But uh, you know, it will never again be as good as what we saw two years ago with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. That was the best dunk contest that I've ever seen. Probably that ever has happened. Well, what about what about uh, Donovan Mitchell? He did pretty well. Didn't he, he win last year? He was year? in it last year? Yeah, he won, I believe. Did he win it last year? He was really good. I don't even, good. Really, I don't even he really was, remember. He was really good. Um, but, uh, but I mean, like, I think the funniest part of the dunk contest mm-hmm. was Dennis Smith Jr., who plays for the Knicks now. Yep. He attempted 30 dunks, and he landed two of them. <laughs> like, literally, he, like, like he just didn't know how to, like, he, he just went, like, he wouldn't even, att- like, he would jump, and then midway through, he'd just, like, he'd cradle the ball and, like, come back down with it. Like, <laughs> like he just forgot what he was doing midair. And, uh... And and the best part about it was he missed so many dunks, but he still got to the final. Like the the uh, top two dunkers make it to the final, and because he eventually did hit a dunk, and um, and you're supposed to judge it based on like the one that you actually get, not the fact that you missed a bunch earlier. <laughs> the fact that like he ended up hitting one, and it was good enough, quote unquote, to make the final, and it was just an embarrassment. And then he gets in the final, just the same thing. He misses like 15 other dunks, and then finally makes the 16th one. It was it it really wasn't great, but I think. I think the highlight of of the All Star Weekend was the three point contest. It usually is. Yeah. Who is the guy who won? Joe Harris. Yeah. What's that guy doing there? He's an everyman. He he really is. But He's an everyman. He, is he an All Star? No. So no. I don't understand why they're there. No. It, really, it's just they like they try and pool the best dunkers and the best three point shooters in the league of of those that actually want to participate, not necessarily of among the All Stars. I think that's really stupid. I just want to be on the record as saying that is really stupid. And I don't support that. Um, I, you know, whether or not I, I think I think the three point contest doesn't struggle with a lack of star power. I think Steph Curry was in it this year. Dirk Nowitzki was in it this year. Um, they have in, in recent years. You've, like we've seen James Harden, we've seen Kevin Durant. Uh, I don't think that they struggle with star power, and I, I think it's great. I think it. I think it's even better that he won and he beat Steph. He went off. He went. He he hit what like twelve in a row. 
in the middle of the Steph final also round. Also, do that. I'm confused how it works, but Steph had like 24 points, and he had like 26. Like he went off, and I, I think it was it was really it was it was electric to watch. Here's a guy who no one's really ever heard of before watching him win, and I, I think doing it against Steph Curry, the greatest three point shooter to ever live, I think that's that's pretty awesome, honestly. And and he's a Brooklyn Nets guy. It's good to see the Nets be somewhat relevant in some way, shape, or form. Um, it, it was fun to watch. That's, that's all I can say. Well, I think it's a farce, and I won't stand for it. Um, and I think, again, like the All-Star break, it's come and gone practically. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, have a, I was just raising my hand for the folks that aren't in studio. Okay, that was uh, great radio. Yeah, thank you. What happened to the Jazz? Like, that's what I want to know. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good question. Like, they, they've seriously underwhelmed this year. And again, it's an, it's an incredibly, you know, crowded Western Conference, but this is a team that was... Were they a five seed last year in the playoffs? I think they were a four, actually. Four or five seed? Yeah. Um, and, they were good. And, and this is coming in on the heels of losing your best player in Gordon Hayward. I mean, obviously, we saw the meteoric rise of Donovan Mitchell. But I, I don't know. This is a team that, you know, they're still good, quote unquote. They're 32 and 25. They'd be, I think, an eight seed in the in the West if the season ended today. But it's the not East? Look, in the West. It's, it's Utah. Wait, but aren't they, I thought, so they are the eight seed. Yeah, yeah. If the season oh. had today, they'd oh, be the sorry, AC sorry, sorry, in the sorry. in the West. Um, I, I think, like, they're essentially a one man team right now in terms of scoring with Donovan Mitchell. Like, they don't really have any depth scoring. Um, Ru- Ru- Rudy Gobert will give you putbacks and dunks, but other than that, he's not going to give you a whole lot in terms of offense. Um, but yeah, this is a team that's definitely taking a step back. And I think if you look ahead to the second half, I think um, in t- in terms of the Western Conference landscape, I think the best team to you know, potentially top the Warriors is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I think with their one-two punch of Westbrook and Paul George, I think that's a team that could at least bring a, a Western Conference Final Series to seven games. More, uh, They have a better chance of doing that than any other team, I think. And I think that's a team to look forward to in the second half of the season. Well, I think we've covered everything that's happened in the last, like, year. And we've done a great job. And that's going to end the show, unfortunately, because we're out of time. And uh, unfortunately, it does going to end the show. But I think for all of our live listeners out there, and I'm sure we have some of them, as you may notice, we're, we're on our spring schedule. We're going to be broadcasting from 9 to 10 every Wednesday. And for all of our podcast listeners, our shows will no longer be dropping on Tuesdays, obviously, because our show's been moved to Wednesday. They'll be dropping on Thursday. So you can look forward to that weekly on Thursdays. Thank you for letting them know. Also, follow us at K&K Podcast on Twitter. And make sure you subscribe. We're on Google Play and iTunes. Have a great night.